Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And joining me to break it all down from the scene, it's Mark Immelman. Hey, Mark. Hey, are my glasses crooked or is it my ears? Because they, uh, nothing looks right yet to me right now. How's it, Rick? How are you? <laughs> I think it's your ears. Uh, your ears are, are not straight. They're very crooked. No. You know, it's, it's, from, it's from being on course where you wear a headphone on one ear like this for a while until you wear the IFB. So maybe that's, I don't know. I'll stop. You're all, you're all discombobulated. Uh, mm. Before we jump into the Jordan Speed, the Daniel Burke, let, let's talk about Pebble Beach. I mean, it played a hair under par on Saturday. Obviously, uh, we saw the winds whipping out there. It rained earlier in the day, but you are on site. Why don't you give us your assessment of Pebble Beach and how it played on Saturday? Well, I think my first assessment, honestly, Rick, was the fact that Stephen Cox and his uh, advanced staff for the PGA Tour rules officials set it up perfectly for the way the golf course played in the afternoon because, you know, we had this northwesterly come through there and the way it was playing a lot of those holes coming in, if you hit the ball anywhere hole high or beyond the hole, you had almost no chance putting downhill, downwind kind of thing. So this morning they didn't roll the greens. And so the greens were just a whisker slower than what they had been in rounds one and two. And you saw a number of players struggle to adjust, but I think in the end, the setup was good. I, I love the fact that with, you know, no fa- uh, no amateurs, they they could play with some of the setup. I mean, they they had four drivable, you know, the upper par four. Right. And tomorrow they're going to use a new tee on ten, which is to the right side of the ninth green, which makes the hole like three thirty or so. So they they they're being creative with Pebble Beach, and it's just such a master canvas that. I think it's a cool thing to see like this. Um, but as far as the golf course played, it was difficult. Um, that stretch there, the, the stretch of 8, 9, 10, which is normally quite difficult, played easier because it was down breeze. But then when you turn 12, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, even 16, and 18 to a certain extent were just hard. And so you had to play golf out there this afternoon if you were going to make a score. That was for certain. And uh, I'm glad you brought up those holes because, you know, looking at the scoring hole by hole on Saturday, the front side was essentially nearly a a shot and a half easier than the back. So you really had to, uh, we'll talk about Jordan Spieth. He didn't do it this way, but you got to go out and make your hay on the first six or seven holes, right, Mark? That kind of is what can kickstart your round before you get into the teeth of this thing. Well, whether the wind was from it where it was today, the northwesterly, or whether it comes from the opposite direction, uh, that's what the rule is around here. You get after holes one through seven, because one is, you know, shortish par four, two is a reachable five, three, you can have a wedge if you get one in play, four, same thing, five is a difficult three, but then six is a five, seven is just a little chip wedge. Then all of a sudden, uh, Pebble Beach, after the the the, the benevolent um, welcome, just will bear its teeth with eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And so ordinarily you have to get off to the front side, but that was playing downwind today. 
So you really had to get busy. And I almost felt like the folks that were out early playing in the rain that we had, that made those holes a little harder. So it, it sort of felt like an open championship out where there was, there certainly has been an advantage to the rotation you played the golf course in and also what time you played because you expect that sort of stuff in a maritime climate on a golf course like this. Well, at 10.15 a.m. this morning, Jordan Spieth teed off on number one, and he is two shots clear of the rest of the field mark at 13 under. He did not take advantage of number two, the par five. He made bogey there, but he makes up for it later in the round. And the the moment, uh, the shot that had us chatting before we went hot here was his approach into 16, where Jordan Spieth does it again. He holds out from the fairway for Eagle now twice on the week. That is that if he goes on to win this golf tournament, tournament that's going to be the highlight <laughs> yeah you got to think so um yeah the, you know that all i can talk to is what i saw and i was with the cantlay group and paul casey and tom lewis and you know when we went through 16 with that whole location first off in rounds one and two they had it perched up on the right side of the green which is impossible to get to but anywhere you hit it in the green you put basically back up the hill so you can put aggressively with the whole location today it was perched on the side slope there and if you were putting anywhere, uh, you were basically putting defensively. And Paul Casey had like 40 feet or so from underneath the flag. And the thing was almost turning sideways when it got to the cup. And uh, it had like about a 90-degree turn there and ended behind the hole. And then Tom Lewis had like three feet down the hill left to right. And I was like, this is downright impossible because if you catch the top edge, you're putting back from 15 feet kind of thing. And then I looked in my monitor. We won 17. And Frank Nobolo had the call, and I heard him the way he was going, so I looked at the monitor, and I saw this big sweeping draw that he hit in there, and that thing's going to hit the ground fast, right? And then with the way the wind's coming in, it gets exacerbated. So that ball hit on the green, and then it's almost like it got on the wind and the hill, and it went down. And I'll tell you what, making three-footers on that green was hard, let alone making 165-yard whatever he hits. So it was. I got the sense then when that ball went down, and the way it went down, that hold on, perhaps there's a little destiny involved over here. So uh, it, it was a cool shot. I mean, you, I saw him playing this big draw the entire day, which was fascinating to me because all the reports I'd got was last week in the desert, he was trying to fade the golf ball and he was trying to do the same thing um, at Torrey Pines. So uh, it was interesting, but, you know, he's making it work right now. And, and that shot on 16 was dynamite. Yeah, it might be a, a bit kismet for Jordan Spieth this week. And a, according to Justin Ray, this will be the second time that Jordan Spieth has held the 54-hole lead or co-lead in back-to-back -back weeks. The last time he did it was 2015, that magical year. He finished T2 at Houston. And then, of course, he would go on to win the green jacket in the same year uh, the following week. <laughs> are, you, are you going there already? Well, uh, hold I, on. I, switched, I switched on Twitter after the, uh, uh, after the show, and I saw our friends over at HQ or CBS Sports or whoever it was had a master's countdown for Jordan Spieth. I'm like, come on, let's settle down, folks. Let's get past Sunday here right now. I, I think it's now down to 54 days is the countdown. But uh, he, so, so Mark, what I, what I think is so interesting about Jordan Spieth is in no way am I confident that he's going to close this thing out, right? I mean, the guy seems like he is going 100 miles an hour in every direction. He's trying to avoid potholes. He's hitting speed bumps. He's trying to hold this thing together. 
it's almost surprising that he has this two-shot lead because it, it felt like this round was getting away away from him at times. And I just wonder how that style of golf, the, the how frantic it is, how on the edge he constantly is, how that plays on a Sunday. Most Jordan Spieth rounds are frantic. I mean, think about the Open Championship <laughs> yeah. win when he drove it like off the planet on the 15th there into the driving range. And Michael Greller to this day doesn't get enough credit for the yardage he got Jordan Spieth there to get the ball back into play. And then Spieth hits this putt, was pointing at the dude going, you get this from 40 feet. I mean, this is what he does. And this is the way he plays. But, you know, it looks to me more than anything else that there's a level of comfort with him right now that there hasn't been. Because I'll tell you this much, um, a tee shot like 18, the way it was playing today into the wind, you got the Pacific on the left and out of bounds on the right-hand side. There's basically disaster at any, any turn, and you have to hit driver just because the, it's straight into a cold wind. And to get up there and just pin one down the fairway like he did, that speaks yeah. volumes to a guy that didn't know where the driver was going. So from that point of view, I, I have some confidence in him. And then also, you know, I sound like a lawyer now, and I'm making a court case for him. Maybe I'm Carl Porter incognito. <laughs> um, the thing about this place, Pebble Beach, is the greens are tiny, and they've got a lot of movement on them. And in a wind like today, I thought you would do very well to hit like 12 or 13 greens in regulation, even though you've got some short clubs in there. And so it becomes this exercise in scrambling and an exercise in grit and an exercise just in kind of you know, making the most and getting the best out of the round. And that's what Jordan Spieth, when he was at his best, always did to me. You know, Jordan was always that guy that whatever he signed for, that was the best number he had possible on the day. Mm. And so the way the golf course is setting up, I'm not sure of the forecast for tomorrow, but if it stays like it is, I don't think the wind will blow as hard, but you have to be able to scramble around this place. And the way the golf course uh, sits too when you you got situations where I'm watching guys with like two club wins that they're playing into. You almost toss the yardage book out of the window. And you certainly toss the swing thoughts out of the window because you're creating shots. You're not playing golf swing. Mm. So everything that's happening at Pebble Beach, at a place where he's won before, so he's confident, and he was decent last week, I just feel like it's it's all lining up for him right now. Now, is it a guarantee? No, golf never is. I don't care how well you're playing. We've seen that before. I mean... Let's 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 not think about Augusta National a few seasons ago, but he went to the second nine with a how many stroke lead, and Danny Willett won. Yeah, remember that thing. So there's never guarantees, yeah. but the way it's going right now, everything is the odds are stacked in his favor. I would say. And we see multiple shot leads on Sunday uh, evaporate almost instantly week in and week out on the PGA Tour. And there is a chase pack five deep, two shots behind. It's Nate Lashley, it's Tom Hoagie, it's Russell Knox, and then a couple of big boppers in Patrick Cantlay and Daniel Berger. I want to focus in on Daniel Berger because he had this thing going. I mean, he is he makes eagle on four after driving the green. He gives one back on seven, so he goes out in one under. He birdies 11 and he steps up to the tee on 18, uh, neck and neck, tied with Jordan Spieth, and he hits what I think was, I'd have to go back and check, the only ball we've seen OB right on 18 all day. And a, a few minutes later, Mark, it's a it's a double, and he's two shots back. I mean, outside of outside the way of the way he played 18, he was basically in full control on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you what, Daniel Berger won't go away either. The way he was yeah. playing last summer, it's to me, it's like he's playing with house money right now, and he's very confident. 
because when you have a debilitating injury like he did, and it's in the wrist, which is where you know the guy, these guys make money with their joints, wrists, elbows, knees, that ankles, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, when you come back and you're playing well and you've got the second lease on life, I think it puts things into perspective a little bit. Because remember, this guy was the rookie of the year and he had two quick wins and everything was sort of coming easy. And uh, then stuff started going sour. And now he's coming back and he's he's playing with his freedom and he's got some swagger about him. I'll tell you what. And the guy hits the same shot every time. And he's a good striker and he's a fantastic putter. And um, he's not afraid of the stage. And he showed that today in the difficult conditions. He was playing beautifully bar that, that, that horrendous tee shot on 18. But when they came to me and uh, we were setting up Casey and, and Cantley on 18, you know, this Jim Nance lives here. And so he right. knows the golf course so well. And he set up the hole. And I'm like, Jim, you know, this is a picturesque tee shot, but it is difficult right now, the way the wind is blowing. And that fairway looks like a green sliver in, in front of you. And then you got that cypress tree there that's in the fairway, which makes it play even narrower. And uh, and so if you get up there and you're a little iffy, it's it's not one you can just you know kind of push into the fairway. So it was a bit awkward, but he won't go away. Daniel Berger will be a part of the story late Sunday, and uh, he'll be pushing. And I think it's to the situation where being out a little earlier now, maybe go and put some pressure on the Jordan. That may be a good spot to come from. Daniel Berger, when he finished T5 here last year, was ranked outside the top 120 in the official World World Golf Rankings. Just one year later, he's the 15th ranked player in the world, so he's certainly not going anywhere. This is uh, a long resume of recent form for him that that tells us that. Uh, Odds makers, our friends over at William Hill, are giving Daniel Berger a Five and a half to one chance of winning the AT&T Pebble Beach. Of course, Jordan Spieth is installed as the favorite mark. He's plus 188. And Patrick Cantlay at three and a half to one on your money. What are you laughing at over there? <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you this because you helped me with this stuff. Um, tell me what the odds are, what William Hill says. Uh, what the odds are for Immelman to win the wine bet against Jonathan Coachman? <laughs> are the odds on this somewhere? <laughs> uh, well, considering considering so those who missed out, uh, Coach and Mark got into a wine wager. Mark entered this week two and zero in wine wagers, and he had Paul Casey over Will Zalatoris, and and Mark with a twelve shot lead with eighteen holes to play in that bet. Um, I, I don't know. I'll lay the odds for you right now. Minus, I don't know, 5,000, something like that. Um, and, and to your, to your credit, Mark, you actually gave coach a chance to buy out of this, uh, for Mm -hmm. 50% and he turned you down, didn't he? Yeah, he turned me down and I, 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 I don't often look at Twitter um, responses because that's when I find out how bad at my job I really am. So, but, but, but I did see some, a couple of folks tweeted, they're like, Hey coach, um, you need to pay up that bet pretty fast because (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, Uh, and, and you know what, if there's anyone you want to win a bet against, it's the coach. You know, oh, because he's just, he's larger than life kind of thing. And and when I have this, I'll never take a bet with him again. It's going to be one right. and done. And we're going to get this thing out of the way. And it's bragging rights forever. You're going to win one wine bet with every single one of us. And you're never going to get in one again. And you can hold that. You can hold that over our heads for all eternity. <laughs> I think that's a really, a really good strategy. Um, you know, looking at this, obviously, Spieth, Cantlay, Daniel Berger are your favorites. I'm looking a bit deeper than that. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on our little, our betting cards here with a 150 to one number on Nate Lashley, who's down to 18 to one. But is, is, is the winner coming from, 
Spieth can't lay burger. I mean, that's two shots clear for Spieth. It's the two stars at 11 under. It would take something pretty special for a uh, Tom Hoagie or a Nate Lashley to win this, right? Um, don't sleep on Jason Day. Okay. I'm going to say that. Um, we had him in our coverage window Thursday, and I think it was. And and I, I watched him practice some, and he's healthy, he's fit. He says with the work he's been doing, he can practice putting more, where you know when the back was bad, he could only practice putting for like 15 minutes at a go. And so when he played Thursday... He cobbled together, I think he was playing alongside Spieth, maybe, or he was playing in one of the feature groups, and he cobbled together a round of like two or three under, not really playing his best, but all of the misses he hit were sort of just a groove low or so, but right in front of him. He wasn't hitting the wide ball anymore, and so I think that's going to stand him in good stead, and he is just chipping away, you know, a couple rounds of 69 and I think 68 today. I, I wouldn't go to sleep over there, but then I've got to give Tom Hoagie some love. This guy is a flusher and yeah. he's been close a few times and he hits it hard and he's, he's, he's got a little, he's got a little something about him. You know, he turns my head when he's hitting. And so I, I don't know if he's got the chops to hang on and win, but I certainly feel like he'll get out there and get after it early and maybe post a score. And then who knows? Jason Day, uh, ninth in strokes gained putting this week. So that practice certainly uh, bearing results on the course. Mark, we are going to be right back at this again on Sunday. You can watch Sunday coverage on CBS. You you can't watch it, Mark. You'll actually be a part of it. But our, our listeners, our viewers, they can watch on CBS. And if you would like to tweet at Mark and tell him how great he is at wine wagers, you can do so by reaching him Amazing. at Mark underscore Immelman. Uh, that's where to find him. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.